This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Francis Burney. Volume 10, Chapter 8 An Encounter. Two whole days passed thus. No inquiries reached Mrs. Wyers and she found in the newspapers no advertisement. Meanwhile, Cecilia grew worse every moment. She tasted neither drink nor food, raved incessantly, called out twenty times in a breath, Where is he? Which way is he gone? and implored the woman by the most pathetic remonstrances to save her unhappy Delvile, dearer to her than life, more precious than peace, or rest. At other times she talked of her marriage, of the displeasure of his family, and of her own remorse, entreated the woman not to betray her, and promised to spend the remnant of her days in the heaviness of sorrow and contrition. Again her fancy roved, and Mr. Monckton took sole possession of it. She reproached him for his perfidy, and she bewailed that he was massacred. She would not a moment outlive him, and wildly declared her last remains should moulder in his ears. And thus, though naturally and commonly of a silent and quiet disposition, she was now not a moment still, for the irregular stats of a terrified and disordered imagination were changed into the constant ravings of morbid delirium. The woman, growing uneasy from her uncertainty of pay for her trouble, asked the advice of some of her friends what was proper for her to do, and they counselled her to put an advertisement into the papers herself the next morning. The following, therefore, was drawn up and sent to the printer of the daily advertiser. Madness, whereas a crazy young lady, tall, fair-complexioned, with blue eyes and light hair, ran into the three blue balls in street on Thursday night, the second instant, and has been kept there since out of charity. She was dressed in a riding habit. Whoever she belongs to is desired to send after her immediately. She has been treated with the utmost care and tenderness. She talks much of some person by the name of Delvile. N.B. She had no money about her. May 1780 This had but just been sent off when Mr. Wyers, the man of the house, coming upstairs, said, Now we shall have two of them, for here's the crazy old gentleman below that says, he has just heard in the neighbourhood of what has happened to us, and he desires to see the poor lady. It says, well, let him come up then, answered Mrs. Wyers, for he goes to all sort of places and people, and ten to one, but he'll bustle about till he finds out who she is. Mr. Wyers then went downstairs to send him up. He came instantly. It was Albany, who in his vagrant rambles, having heard an unknown mad lady was 
at this pawnbroker's came with his customary eagerness to visit and serve the unhappy to see what could be done for her when he entered the room she was sitting upon the bed her eyes earnestly fixed upon the window from which she was privately indulging a wish to make her escape her dress was in much disorder her fine hair was dishevelled and the feathers of her riding hat were broken and half falling down some shading her face other reaching to her shoulder poor lady cried albany approaching her how long has she been in this state she started at the sound of a new voice she looked around but what was the astonishment of albany to see who it was he stepped back he came forward he doubted his own senses he looked at her earnestly he turned from her to look at the woman of the house he cast his eyes round the room itself and then lifting up his hands oh sight of woe he cried the generous and good the kind reliever of distress the benign sustainer of misery is this cecilia cecilia imperfectly recollecting though not understanding him sunk down at his feet tremblingly called out oh if he is yet to be saved if already he is not murdered go to him fly after him you will presently overtake him he is only in the next street i left him there myself his sword drawn and covered with human blood sweet pass of kindness and compassion cried the old man look upon this creature with pity she who raised the depressed she who cheered the unhappy she whose liberal hand turned lamentations into joy who never with a tearless eye could hear the voice of sorrow is this she herself can this be cecilia oh do not wait to talk cried she go to him now or you will never see him more the hand of death is on him cold clay cold is its touch he is breathing his last o oh, murdered delvile massacred husband of my heart groan not so piteously fly to him and weep over him fly to him and pluck the poniard from his wounded bosom oh sounds of anguish and horror cried the melted moralist tears running quick down his rugged cheeks melancholy indeed is this sight humiliating to morality such is human strength such human felicity weak as our virtues frail as our guilty natures ah cried she more wildly no one will save me now i'm married and no one will listen to me ill were the auspices under which i gave my hand oh it was a work of darkness unacceptable and offensive it has been sealed therefore with blood and tomorrow it will be signed with murder poor distracted creature exclaimed he thy pangs i have felt but thy innocence i have forfeited my own wounds bleed afresh my own brain threatens new frenzy 
Then, starting up, Good woman, he added, Kindly attend her. I will seek out her friends, put her into bed, comfort, soothe, compose her. I will come to you again, and as soon as I can. He then hurried away. Oh, hour of joy, cried Cecilia. He is gone to rescue him. Oh, blissful moment, he will yet be snatched from slaughter. The woman lost not an instant in obeying the orders she had received. She was put into bed, and nothing was neglected as far as she had power and thought to give a look of decency and attention to her accommodations. He had not left an hour when Mary, the maid who had attended her from Suffolk, came to inquire for her lady. Albany, who was now wandering over the town in search of some of her friends, and who entered every house where he imagined she was known, had hastened to that of Mrs. Hill, the first of any, as he was well acquainted with her obligations to Cecilia. There, Mary herself, by the directions which her lady had given Mrs. Belfield, had gone, and there, in the utmost astonishment and uneasiness, had continued till Albany brought news of her. She was surprised and afflicted beyond measure, not only at the state of her mind and her health, but to find her in a bed and an apartment so unsuitable to her rank of life, and so different to what she had ever been accustomed. She wept bitterly while she inquired at the bedside how her lady did, but wept still more when, without answering or seeming to know her, Cecilia started up and called out, I must be removed this moment. I must go to St. James's Square. If I stay an instant longer, the passing bell will toll, and then how shall I be in time for the funeral? Mary, alarmed and amazed, turned hastily from her to the woman of the house, who calmly said, The lady was only in a raving fit, and must not be minded. Extremely frightened at this intelligence, she entreated her to be quiet and lie still. But Cecilia grew suddenly so violent that force only could keep her from rising, and Mary, unused to dispute her commands, prepared to obey them. Mrs. Wyers, now in her turn, opposed in vain. Cecilia was peremptory and Mary became implicit, and, though not without much difficulty, she was again dressed in her riding habit. This operation over, she moved towards the door, the temporary strength of delirium giving her a hardiness that combated fever, illness, fatigue, and feebleness. Mary, however averse and fearful, assisted her, and Mrs. Wyers, compelled by the obedience of her own servant, went before them to order a chair. Cecilia, however, felt her weakness when she attempted to move downstairs. Her feet tottered and her head became dizzy. She leaned it against Mary, who called aloud for more help, and made her sit down, 
till it came. Her resolution, however, was not to be altered. A stubbornness, wholly foreign to her genuine character, now made her stern and positive, and Mary, who thought her submission indispensable, cried, but did not offer to oppose her. Mr. and Mrs. Wyers both came up to assist in supporting her, and Mr. Wyers offered to carry her in his arms, but she would not consent. When she came to the bottom of the stairs, her head grew worse. She again lent it upon Mary, but Mr. Wyers was obliged to hold them both. She still, however, was firm in her determination, and was making another effort to proceed when Delvile rushed hastily into the shop. He had just encountered Albany, who, knowing his acquaintance, though ignorant of his marriage with Cecilia, had informed him where to seek her. He was going to make inquiry if he was come to the right house when he perceived her, feeble, shaking, leaning upon one person and half carried by another. He started back staggered, gasped for breath, but finding they were proceeding, advanced with trepidation, furiously calling out, Hold! Stop! What is it you are doing, monsters of savage barbarity? Are you murdering my wife? The well-known voice no sooner struck the ears of Cecilia than instantly recollecting it, she screamed, and is suddenly endeavouring to spring forward, fell to the ground. Delvile had vehemently advanced to catch her in his arms and save her fall, which her unexpected quickness had prevented her attendants from doing, but the sight of her changed complexion and the wildness of her eyes and air again made him start. His blood froze through his veins, and he stood looking at her cold and almost petrified. Her own recollection of him seemed lost already, and exhausted by the fatigue she had gone through in dressing and coming downstairs, she remained still and quiet, forgetting her design of proceeding and forming no new one of returning. Mary, to whom, as to all her fellow-servants, the marriage of Cecilia had been known before she left the country, now desired from Delvile directions what was to be done. Delvile, starting suddenly at this call, from the deepest horror into the most desperate rage, fiercely exclaimed, Inhuman wretches, unfeeling, execrable wretches, what is it you have done to her? How came she hither? Who brought her? Who dragged her? By what infamous usage has she been sunk into this state? Indeed, sir, I don't know, cried Mary. I assure you, sir, said Mrs. Wyers, the lady. Peace, cried he furiously. I will not hear your falsehoods. Peace and be gone. Then, casting himself upon the ground by her side, Oh, my Cecilia, he cried, where hast thou been thus long? How have I lost thee? What dreadful calamity has befallen thee? Answer me, my love. Raise your sweet head and answer me. Oh, speak. Say to me anything. 
the bitterest words will be mercy to this silence. Cecilia, then, suddenly looking up, called out with great quickness, Who are you? Who am I? cried he, amazed and affrighted. I should be glad you would go away, cried she in a hurrying manner, for you are quite unknown to me. Delvile, unconscious of her insanity, and attributing to resentment this aversion and repulse, hastily moved from her, mournfully answering, Well, indeed may you disclaim me, refuse all forgiveness, load me with hatred and reproach, and consign me to eternal anguish. I have merited severer punishment still. I have behaved like a monster, and am abhorrent to myself. Cecilia now, half rising, and regarding him with mingled terror and anger, eagerly exclaimed, If you do not mean to mangle and destroy me, be gone this moment. To mangle you? repeated Delvile, shuddering. How horrible! But I deserve it. Look not, however, so terrified, and I'll tear myself away from you. Suffer me, but to assist in moving you from this place, and I will only watch you at a distance, and never see you more till you permit me to approach you. Why? Why? cried Cecilia, with a look of perplexity and impatience. Will you not tell me your name and where you come from? Do you not know me? said he, struck with new horror. Or do you only mean to kill me by the question? Do you bring me any message from Mr. Monkton? Mr. Monkton? No, but he lives and will recover. I thought you had been Mr. Monkton yourself. Too cruel, yet justly cruel, Cecilia. Is then Delvile utterly renounced? The guilty, the unhappy Delvile? Is he cast off for ever? Have you driven him wholly from your heart? Do you deny him even a place in your remembrance? Is your name then Delvile? Oh, what is it you mean? Is it me or my name you thus disown? It's a name, cried she, sitting up. I well remember to have heard, and once I loved it, and three times I called upon it in the dead of night. And when I was cold and wretched, I cherished it. And when I was abandoned and left alone, I repeated it and sung to it. All gracious pass, cried Delvile. Her reason is utterly gone. And hastily rising, he desperately added, What is death to this blow? Cecilia, I am content to part with thee. Mary now and Mrs. Wyers put upon him eagerly an account of her illness and insanity, her desire of removal, and their inability to control her. Delvile, however, made no answer. He scarce heard them. The deepest despair took possession of his mind and rooted to the spot where he stood. He contemplated with dreadful stillness the fallen and altered objects of his best hopes and affections, Already in her faded cheeks and weakened frame, his agonizing terror read the quick impending destruction of all his earthly happiness. The sight was too much for his fortitude and almost for his understanding, and when his woe became utterable, 
He wrung his hands and groaning aloud called out, Art thou gone so soon, my wife, my Cecilia? Have I lost thee already? Cecilia, with utter insensibility to what was passing, now suddenly and with a rapid yet continued motion, turned her head from side to side, her eyes wildly glaring and yet apparently regarding nothing. Dreadful! Dreadful! exclaimed Delvile. What a sight is this! And turning from her to the people of the house, he angrily said, Why is she here upon the floor? Could you not even allow her a bed? Who attends her? Who waits upon her? Why has nobody sent for help? Don't answer me. I will not hear you. Fly this moment for a physician. Bring two. Bring three. Bring all you can find. Then, still looking from Cecilia, whose sight he could no longer support, he consulted with Mary whither she should be conveyed, and, as the night was far advanced, no place was prepared for her elsewhere, they soon agreed that she could only be removed upstairs. Delvile now attempted to carry her in his arms, but trembling and unsteady, he had not strength to sustain her, yet, not enduring to behold the helplessness he could not assist, he conjured them to be careful and gentle, and committing her to their trust, ran out himself for a physician. Cecilia resisted them with her utmost power, imploring them not to bury her alive, and averring she had received intelligence, they meant to entomb her with Mr. Monkton. They put her, however, to bed, but her raving grew still more wild and incessant. Delvile soon returned with the physician, but had not courage to attend him to her room. He waited for him at the foot of the stairs, where, hastily stopping him, Well, sir, he cried, is it not all over? Is it not impossible she can live? She is very ill, indeed, sir, he answered. But I have given directions which perhaps... Perhaps, interrupted Delvile, shuddering, do not stab me with such a word. She is delirious, he continued, but as her fever is very high, that is not so material. If the orders I have given take effect and the fever is got under, all the rest will be well, of course. He then went away, leaving Delvile as much thunderstruck by answers, so alarming, as if he had consulted him in full hope and without even suspicion of her danger. The moment he recovered from this shock, he flew out of the house for more advice. He returned and brought with him two physicians. They confirmed the directions already given, but would pronounce nothing decisively of her situation. Delvile, half mad with the acuteness of his misery, charged them all with want of skill, and rode instantly into the country for Dr. Lyster. He went out himself in search of a messenger to ride off express, though it was midnight, with his letter and then, returning, he was hastening to her room, but, while yet at the door, hearing her still raving, his horror conquered his eagerness, and, hurrying downstairs, he spent the remnant of the long and seemingly endless night in the shop. End of chapter